0: Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about BetOnline.ag. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back for another football season. And as always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college action this season. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your bonus today. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers on the 2021 season. Bet online, where the game starts. it easy podcast live on the believe podcast network except it isn't live because it's a podcast welcome in everybody to this very first day of october the very bestest month of the sports calendar mlb playoffs will be concluded this month. The NBA tips off NFL, middle of the season, I guess, sort of. It's NFL. Come on. It's awesome. College football. Awesome. It is my favorite month of the year, and just without a doubt, the best month of the year. And I'm going to be going absolutely crazy watching sports. For the, it's going to feel like what it was back uh, when the pandemic ended back in like August and September of last year where like every sport was playing at the exact same time. It's about to feel like that again here in October. So make sure to follow, download and leave a five star review because we about to have all kinds of crazy stuff coming up here soon. Speaking of crazy stuff, this is a crazy sports weekend. And I was thinking of doing like a, you know, an intellectual topic or a deeper societal talk, but I just want to talk about college football and baseball and the NFL this weekend. And what better person to do it with Then our boy Razor Rosenthal. Check him out at Beer Life Sports, Beer Life Official. Um, Check out his personal Instagram. It's also very good. So check all of that out and support Razor's work because he does all of this for free. And we really love the time and effort that he commits to this silly little podcast here. So please support Razor's stuff as well. Let's get to the show. Oh, what do you have action on? Other Is it college? I think Miami plays Virginia tonight, I think. Is it college? <laughs> is it NFL? Uh, is it Major League Baseball? What do you have action on tonight?
1: I'm going to stay away from the Atlantic Coast uh, Conference Coastal Division Showdown tonight, Kyle. I, I don't – I can't trust these teams. You, you can't trust any of these bad teams again. I, I can't well, say I it enough. I haven't been
0: trusting the ACC Coastal for seven years at I this know, point. I so, know. We're, we got a run going here, and I've only been proven right this season, only been proven more correct.
1: Let's <laughs> just wait. Let's just wait till Halloween to start figuring these teams out in college football. No, I really like the Bengals money line, and we're going to pair them up with the Boston Red Sox, a must win for the Red Sox against the Baltimore Orioles. Close to even money on those two teams. Cincinnati and the Red Sox together. That's what we're looking at tonight.
0: All right. I I, I picked the Bengals uh, in our pick'em pool this week, so uh, I'm glad to hear that the gambling expert agrees. Now, I have to get them with a touchdown to,
1: that's to win tough. the bet. But that's tough. Yeah, that's going to be tough. Fact, I, I'm a little scared of yep. that bet. I'm a little scared of the Jacksonville backdoor cover. Honestly, the Jacksonville should have easily covered the number last week, and if – They weren't insanely stupid, should have possibly been in a position to win that game. The flea flicker was ridiculous inside their own uh, 20-yard line. So a scary play at 7.5. The last time Cincinnati on prime time was favored by a touchdown or more was probably in the Vietnam War. I I just can't even remember the last time the Bengals were favored at this point.
0: No, I had talked about, like, literally in my entire lifetime, I don't think the Bengals have been favored by a touchdown in a single game. I've been alive only since 2000 when Marvin Lewis was hired. So I don't think the Bengals have ever
1: been touchdown favorites against anyone. Well, let alone prime time. And it's a national championship rematch. Trevor Lawrence versus Joe Burrow. Should be interesting. Yes, and people will know
0: if your bet came through by the time they're listening. Okay. So hopefully... Hopefully Razor's parlay connected and we can laugh at that tomorrow. But we're going to get to baseball at some point because we, we I know you're a baseball guy through and through. But obviously this is a huge college football weekend. So I do really want to ask you about the three big games this weekend, of course, but then anything else that you see action on as everyone kind of moves into conference play now and some teams fall. By the way, the stat came in that uh, we've seen more top 25 losses in the first four weeks than any other year in the poll era of college football so far this year. 25 top 25 teams have lost in four weeks.
1: And nine of the top 25 original teams have already had two losses. I think it's time to get rid of preseason polls because it just doesn't mean anything anymore. You just cannot figure out these teams. I said this on your podcast probably Labor Day week how, and I've been guilty, you know, we get, we, we get excited in the moment. There's so much action going on on a Saturday, but if you're risking a lot of money, between Labor Day and Halloween on college football you're making a mistake it's very difficult these teams are just really hard to figure out and these kids are so young and it takes them 5 or 6 weeks to figure out the nuances of their of the offense and defense so again you know as i we i proceed with caution even in week 5 uh, going into the Saturday it's not a big board for me i love the NFL boards so much more than college football MLB and i'll tell you i, I know you want to talk about college football but Kyle it is tank time this week and last week at MLB. It's time to tank if your team is playing, excuse me, if a team is playing for nothing versus a team playing for something. San Diego, are they in tank mode? I would think so. You know, I, I think tonight's another example of that. You know, You know, how do you even consider taking the Padres even with great value? It's tank time. So you got to look at these big favorites that have a lot to play for.
0: So in those cases, you feel good about money line, and then on the NFL side, is it just because they're like blowout type of matchups this week, like double digit favorites in a couple of games? Is that why you're loving the NFL this week?
1: Yeah, the NFL presents a lot of good money line value. I mean, we're and again we're we're shying away from college, and I apologize. I, I kind of steered you in that direction of away from college, but I think a, a great play, a bounce back game against against the team is going to be Kansas City. Listen, Kansas City is the worst team in the last 13 games against the spread. The worst in the NFL. It's not even close, Kyle. They are one in 12, ATS, against the spread. They cannot cover the number. The only game they have covered in the last 13 games was of course against my Buffalo Bills in the AFC Championship game. I think this is the get right, finally get right, big, easy win for Kansas City when they travel to Philadelphia. Philadelphia's defense is atrocious. And what Kansas City has is an opportunity to feed the ball to Travis Kelsey. The way Philadelphia plays defense, Kelsey is going to be so wide open. It's going to be a miscarriage of justice, in my opinion. Kelsey's going to be your play in FanDuel. He's a must-play in FanDuel DraftKings. Kansas City finally gets right. Money line the heck out of them with various parlays. That's one play that I'm in love with. And and you know, I, I think when you look at other plays, you gotta get a, a, a little bit reluctant to take some of these teams. Let's talk about New Orleans. You know, New Orleans is a team that has shown a lot of good stuff. The Giants are a team that just cannot produce offensive weapons for some reason. They they have Saquon Barkley. They have a good wide receiving core, but they're not producing on the field. And I think the New Orleans defense is finally back. They got a lot of players back last Sunday. We saw that. I got to go heavy on the Saints. I got to go heavy on Kansas City. Dallas, Carolina, a little bit scary. It's an overreaction, I think, for – the Dallas Cowboys performance Monday night. I think what you saw was a very bad Philadelphia team that got beat up. I'm staying away from Dallas money line, but I do see value there at minus 190. And I, and I got to tell you, one of my favorite plays on the board is going to be Tampa Bay money line. I'm sorry. This New England football team cannot move the ball. Tampa's defense is not good. But what we have on the other side of the ball, I think is a very hungry quarterback. I know it's very square of me to say this, Tom Brady coming back to Foxborough. You know, you sound like a sucker here. And you know what? New England may cover the number, but I do not think Tampa Bay loses this game. I like Tampa. I like New Orleans. I like Kansas City. Those are three big money line plays for me.
0: So the Tampa thing is interesting, and I, ha- I have a question about the Chiefs too that'll come after. But with Tampa, I feel like it's been interesting because their run defense has been towards the top of the league so far this year. Yep. And the Rams kind of the Rams did a number on them towards the second half of that game, but I think that's just the Rams zone running scheme that's just impossible to guard you can only slow it down um but then like you said tampa bay this year in um you know those graphics that pop up on fox during the broadcast they said that their passing defense through three weeks is 32nd out of 32 in the yeah, nfl they're dead last year they are worst passing defense in the nfl to start the season and you know, losing Sean Murphy Bunting doesn't help, and I don't think Richard Sherman's going to play this week. He'll probably play next week, but I don't see, like, a resolution in sight. I think you're right that they're just going to be bad at pass coverage this year, which might be their downfall. I think they're also producing at a—they're not going to produce at the crazy rate they are right now on offense, but I think there is a lot of truth to this, that the Bucks look quite vulnerable, and I know they won, like, 10 games in a row up until they lost last weekend, but— they do look low key vulnerable there. Um, for the Chiefs, do you think that the one in twelve thing is just that everyone is betting the Chiefs and Vegas is kind of you know taking advantage of everyone overplaying the
1: Chiefs? Well, I think last week they had a pretty short line with LA, and I don't think the betting public got suckered in. You know, I, I think that. People were going to take Philadelphia. So I I think in the beginning, especially last year, people were suckered into Kansas City. I don't think that's the case anymore. I think the Kansas City defense is just that bad, where they cannot stop anybody. But this Philadelphia team, I'm sorry. There's not enough weapons on offense that scare me to match points with Kansas City. Okay? The Chargers have weapons clear-cut weapons to do damage. Baltimore has clear-cut weapons to do damage. Cleveland does as well. Philadelphia does not match up weapon-wise, scheme-wise, with uh, all those three teams I just mentioned. Kansas City is just going to keep scoring, Kyle. I mean, they are going to score. How many punts should be a great over-under prop for Kansas City this Sunday? I got to say one and a half. I mean, I just don't see how Philadelphia stops them.
0: We're not going to get to see the Chiefs punter that looks like Trevor Lawrence very much this weekend.
1: (laughs) No, I'm going to set it at one and a half over under, maybe juice the over a tad. I just don't see Philadelphia stopping them. And I think I don't want to be the overreact kind of better. Philadelphia is so bad. Dallas is so good. I think it's Philadelphia is so bad and Dallas is decent. So that's why I'm staying away from the Dallas Carolina game. I'm glad to hear you say
0: that because coming into the season, I thought the Eagles were one of these teams that was in line for the number one pick. Like I thought they were setting up Jalen Hurts to fail and they were going to replace him at the end of the year, even if it wasn't with a a first round pick, like they were going to bring in someone else to play quarterback. And then Jalen Hurts looked great the first two weeks. And I was like, maybe I was wrong. Maybe they're, they're not as bad as I thought. And now, you know, I, I, I saw that game on Monday night and they played poorly and, you're saying that they're a really bad team and the chiefs can whoop up on them. So it feels vindicating a little bit and like, maybe I jumped the gun a little bit, but I, to be fair, Jalen hurts has even exceeded my expectations so far this season. So if that's a bright spot for the Eagles, Maybe it is, but to hear you say that their team is really bad just gives me some reassurance. I'm like, no, I I was right. They are tanking at this point in the season.
1: Well, they played Atlanta. Horrific defense. I think San Francisco is a very average defense. We saw what Aaron Rodgers was able to do for most of that game, carve them up. Here's one interesting thing about Carolina versus Dallas. The look-ahead line about seven, eight days ago was Dallas minus six and a half. It has dropped. So what you have right now is sharp money. Sharp money, a lot of money being put on Carolina to drop that line for the public to try to bring it up. So when I mean sharp money, you have some guys probably walking into Vegas sportsbooks, putting down five or six figure bets, and that will move the line. It's just too sketchy for me. I think Carolina is good enough, even without Christian McCaffrey, to do some damage against this Dallas defense. It's going to be a close game.
0: Carolina and Denver feel like exactly the same team this year, where they're both three and zero. But we both kind of feel like they're going to miss the playoffs, and it feels fitting given that they've pretty much been in lockstep ever since playing in Super Bowl Fifty of being totally mediocre. Yeah, so I think it's only fitting that they both start three and zero, and no one thinks they're going to make the playoffs.
1: It's a good question to uh, maybe put out on a poll. You know, who has the best chance to make the playoffs between Carolina and Denver? And, you know, my lean is Carolina simply because of the division. I I think New Orleans above average, Atlanta, you know, terrible Tampa way above average. So there's a chance for Carolina to, to sneak in at 10 and seven, perhaps.
0: Yeah. And the NFC is not as deep as the AFC this year. When you look at Buffalo being there. Someone's going to win the spot in the AFC South by default. Browns, Ravens, Steelers maybe. And then, of course, all the teams in the AFC West we don't know what to do with. So I think it's deeper in the AFC, thus giving Carolina a slightly better chance. Not that the NFC doesn't have a lot of good teams, but I think you're probably right on there.
1: And by the way, Kyle, if you are a believer in Kansas City and Pat Mahomes, you better do it now. You better do it before Sunday. Cause right now you can buy the Kansas City Chiefs at only minus one twenty-five to win the AFC West. That's Ooh, that's about yeah. as good a price tag as you're gonna find out there. If they beat Philly and let's say go on a good run and they get to five and two, triple the value, it'll be probably minus three twenty the time we get to Halloween.
0: But yeah, of course they're going to win the AFC West. They're the freaking Kansas City Chiefs. Like, I know I, as great as the division seems to be this year, they're, they're the Chiefs. Like, they're just so much better on offense than everyone else that even though their defense is an absolute abomination, they're still just going to run through a bunch of those teams in the AFC West. And they're one Clyde edwards helaire fumble and maybe one less turnover away from being 3-0 and at this point in the season. And no one questioning anything about the Chiefs.
1: No, I agree. And just to make this very clear for the novice bettors on your show, I'm sure you have a young audience. Minus 125 means you're only laying $125 to win 100 That's the return. And if it gets to minus 350 by Halloween, which is probably very possible, you're going to have to lay $350 to win 100 So this is the time to buy in now. If you have the money, the budget, responsible bet, would be KC, in my opinion, right now, before Sunday, minus 125. Put down five dollars. You can win like
0: three seventy-five. <laughs> Go buy yourself an ice cream, if if, if, if if courtesy of Mahomes.
1: That's a good way to do it. That's not going to cost you too much money. An ice cream, five dollars. I like your thinking.
0: <laughs> we are the entertainment porpoises only podcast here, I suppose. So any the fewer the fewer the dollars, the better for me. But you can still make it somewhat interesting, which is why we do a pick 'em pool instead. Um, I do want to ask you about baseball while we have a chance here, because baseball is one of your big sports and this is the last week. And I feel bad not talking about it a lot this week, but at the same time in the past years, it's been hard for me to get invested in wildcard races because I know that the one game sample size is really, you know, we're playing all this just for two days of, or two games. And honestly I could just follow the standings and then watch the two games next week. But that the wild card race in the national league was decided a while ago because the Cardinals went on that ridiculous win streak. But that even in and of itself is an interesting story because St. Louis has been, you know, if, if you're one who subscribes to the hottest team ends up surviving in the playoffs, which I definitely do not, because one game sample sizes are so random and even five game sample sizes are random in baseball. Then you look at St. Louis and you're like, oh, the entire NL playoff picture has changed over like two weeks. And then the American League, just complete and utter chaos. That's kind of interesting and also might have the Mariners at the top. I don't understand how that
1: happened, but also could be a possibility. Well, let's talk about the American League first. Very muddied situation there. The Mariners are half a game back right now. If it ends today, we have probably Cole versus Sale in the Bronx. So that's what we're looking at right now. Toronto with a huge win last night over the Yankees. Toronto loses that game. It's over. I think it's over for them. I don't see them catching up. They were up 5-3 in the top of the seventh, and I believe the Yankees tie the game at five, bottom of the eighth, get a solo home run. Toronto wins 6-5. Really exciting game last night on ESPN. And I think playoff baseball is my favorite, Kyle. I, I really think it's just so much fun. And this one-game wild card is so incredible. Uh, it doesn't even have to be from a gambling standpoint, but just the pressure. It's what so I much is, fun. Is, Anytime you Seattle. put stakes to baseball, it's incredible. I agree with you. Does anybody really want to see Seattle? I mean, that's the problem. Like, I, I think Seattle would really hurt the viewership in the excitement of the AL wild card, at least for me. everybody. But I think
0: even Toronto might do that. I think people want the Yankees Red Sox, even if the Yankees clearly are the better team. But I feel like even the Blue Jays would do some damage to that number. But I think uh, one game sample
1: sizes is going to be fun for us who really love baseball. I think Toronto is a huge step up from Seattle. There's a there are a lot of young superstars on that Toronto team, and the Average Joe baseball watcher probably can name three or four players from Toronto. If I had to guess, an average Joe baseball consumer probably would name Kyle Seeger and maybe nobody else on the Seattle Mariners. So I or I just, at the very least if
0: they're naming Blue Jays, they might get to the game and be like, "Wait a minute, Marcus Semien's a Blue Jay. Yeah, Wait, he right. has
1: 45 home runs." What? Leading <laughs> off, leading off for the Blue Jays, Marcus yeah, Semien. So, it's a good it's a good squad. I here's what I want. I I I actually kind of want New York Toronto. I I really do. I I just think those are the the fun bats to watch uh in in a big game like that cuz Toronto is capable of scoring you know, seven plus runs more so than any of the teams that we just mentioned—Boston, Seattle, Oakland, even New York. New York is just so streaky, and they're the most streakiest team this year, I think. But I ultimately think I think it's going to be uh, the Yankees and the Blue Jays. That's my prediction here as we approach uh, Sunday. But t- tonight's game, Toronto New York. This should not be a, a game to bet. This is a game that is going to go either way, and you should enjoy as a baseball fan, as a as a fan. This is a massive game. The Yankees now. The Yankees could get lucky here because they get the Rays coming up, and people, oh, you got the Rays are the best team in the AL. But hey, what do the Rays have? What are they playing for? So the Yankees, yes, the Rays great, have already locked up the number one seed. Yeah, they, have, already they set, have nothing so. to play for. The Yankees are in a good spot. If the Yankees win tonight, I think the Yankees are a sure thing to be in the wild card game, hundred percent. Toronto gets Baltimore, so that's pretty attractive if you are. A Toronto Blue Jays fan, you just have to take care of business. But Baltimore has been kryptonite to Toronto. I mean, Baltimore may have split this series so far. I could be wrong, but every time I seem like I bet on Toronto versus Baltimore, they've lost. So it's kind of frustrating as as a better over the last few weeks or months betting uh, Toronto versus Baltimore. And then the Red Sox have an easy series when they go down the nation's capital and take on the the Nationals. So this is so tight tonight. The Red Sox have to win. The Red Sox beat uh, Baltimore. They have to feel good about their chances. And I think they want the Yankees to win. I I think if you're a Red Sox fan, Red Sox person in the organization, just let the Yankees stay ahead of you, but don't let Toronto catch up. Don't let it get too muddy there. And, of course, Seattle. I mean, you know, Seattle is in a pretty good position. They have destroyed Oakland over the last few weeks. And tonight they get the Angels. What are the Angels playing for? I I don't know. I mean – Excuse me, they get the Angels on Friday, and again, you know... Th- technically that's... tonight, this podcast comes out on Friday. Yeah, so yeah, I so said tonight, you're tonight. right, yeah. So a three-game series with, with the Angels. So, you know, it's, it's so much fun. I just don't know how anybody can't get into the playoff race and playoff...
0: You know what that sound means. It's time for Kyle from the future, which is something that we add in whenever we record before the results of something that are needed to further give context to the podcast. So, unfortunately, Razor's Moneyline Parlay is not looking good at the time of recording here. This is uh, the halftime of the Jaguars and Bengals game, and right now the Bengals are down 14-0. to And the Boston Red Sox have lost to the Baltimore Orioles so that must win game for Boston as they head over to the Washington Nationals has uh, not gone their way so they take the L there Yankees win with a home run flurry against the Toronto Blue Jays because there's no other way the Yankees win other than a home run flurry from their keg softball team so Yankees are now two games up On the wild card. So they just need one win and one loss. By baseball terms, we call this the magic number. So their magic number is two to clinch a playoff spot. So if the Yankees win two games, they don't have to worry about anyone else's situation. They will clinch a hosting of the wild card game. Boston is now tied with the Seattle Mariners. For the final wild card spot, it's unbelievable what's happened to Seattle. And as Razor said, I don't know if people are going to get excited about the Mariners in the playoffs, but it's a hell of a story that they've made it this far. Toronto is one game back of the Boston and Seattle tie right now. So some work to be done for the Toronto Blue Jays. They really needed that win against the Yankees. The Yankees being in makes sense, but everything else looks like chaos right now in the American League. So if the Bengals do come back to win, you'll probably hear from Kyle from the future again sometime in this podcast. But if not, Razor's Moneyline Parlay has taken a double L here on the Take It Easy podcast. Back to the show.
1: Let's talk about the National League real quick because I think this is going to be a uh, really tough for St. Louis. Now, if I'm a St. Louis Cardinals fan, I think I want the Giants here. I, I don't think I want Max Scherzer, but the reality is San Francisco is going to win this division. I, I think it's over. I mean, I, I think San Francisco is going to have no problem taking care of business against Arizona. Uh, you know, unless and Matt, So
0: for for people who may not know the standings right now, if San Francisco wins two out of three against Arizona, it doesn't matter what the Dodgers are I'm sorry, no, San Francisco is against the Giants. I mean the Padres.
1: So they they have Arizona, wins, yeah, correct. Yeah, they, yeah, they have they right. have the pods of Friday through Sunday, and then of course tonight, which is being recorded, the Arizona Diamondbacks with Madison Bumgarner on the mound for Arizona. So yeah. I, I just don't see it happening. I, I think that The Giants are in a really good spot. What scares me tonight, and this is for Thursday night with the Dodgers, which is a no play, is if you're the Dodgers watching the Giants continue to win over the last few days, you kind of know you're you're done. I mean – you know, look at what happened last night. The Padres scored what nine runs. It's just it's just a little dicey at minus two twenty five. So going back to my my thing here with St. Louis, I think they're going to be stuck with Max Scherzer here. I, I think what we're going to see is we're going to see Max on the mound probably versus Wainwright. That's a big price tag. I think Max is going to be about a minus two two twenty five favorite. So it's a tough one. I got to give the Dodgers the edge here. I, I think I think I think L. A advances beat St. Louis in that one game, you know, down on the West coast. And, um, I can't wait you know, for that I, game yeah. though. So uh,
0: I I'm being a bit ageist around this, but I've been saying it for a couple of weeks. I just, I'm baffled that we're, it's 2021 and we're still talking about Wang Wright And Scherzer in a wild game. Wing Wright is 40 years old and he's going to be starting a one game playoff for the St. Louis Cardinals. You, you could have s- s- uttered that sentence, Wang Wright is going to play Scherzer in a massive playoff game in 2012. Easily. And they're, they're both over 35. Wang Wright is 40, and they're going to be going head-to-head in a wild-card game. I can't believe it. It's unbelievable.
1: What's fascinating about St. Louis is their bats just don't even come close to matching up with L.A. But it's a one-game sample size. Anybody can win at professional sports on one given night, nine innings, three hours, but look at the lineup for the Dodgers it's just too much to overcome in a series i just feel like if the Dodgers can beat St. Louis do you feel confident anybody beating them in a, in a best of 7 uh i think the giants the giants, giants yeah. give
0: me hope i all year i've been saying the giants are going to regress the giants are going to regress they're going to regress they can't be that good and now they're you know they're going to win 106 games or whatever this year and i I can't believe it at this point. But at this point, I'm just done doubting the Giants because the Giants, from top to bottom, at the very least, have everyone being above average. And it's just really hard to get three outs in a row. And sometimes it's as simple as that, where, yes, the Dodgers have a great lineup, but you know, you, you get maybe an Austin Barnes or a Cody Bellinger in there that you can get a couple outs in a row. It's hard to do that with the Giants. So I'd say the Giants maybe... Um, no one in the national league, I don't think, other than that, can catch the Dodgers.
1: I, don't yeah, I just don't see Atlanta or the Bruker doing it. I just think it's, it's. you're right, it's going to be San Francisco or nobody else. I, I, I think this is the Dodgers' year to win it again. I, I love their pitching staff. I mean, who, I mean, look. In, well, the American League,
0: I do, in the American League, I do love the Astros, though. I okay. think the Astros yeah. can be better than everyone in baseball this year, and they haven't been talked about in the same way because it's a lot of different names than in the past, but I think the Astros can, can take down anyone.
1: I think the, the staff of Houston is a major liability in the playoffs. I, I just, you know, who do you trust for the Astros game, game four, game seven? I mean, I, I just, I just don't yeah. see it. I just, I don't like their staff. I mean, I
0: mean, who, who is a weird combo of like Valdez. They obviously yes. have McCullers this year, but I mean, you're right. It's, it's not as great as it once was. It's not, you know, 2019 where they had the three best pitchers in the American league. Now it's, it's a lot of Valdez and McCullers, but it's going to be I McCull, think-
1: Yeah. McCullers is your ace potentially game one. And that's, that's not good enough against uh, the Tampa rays, the Tampa Bay rays or the LA Dodgers. But again, uh, so exciting. I believe it's Tuesday. If I have that right, five days from now will be mm-hmm. wild card Tuesday.
0: Yeah. And one, one of them is on Wednesday. I don't know. One which One of them is on Wednesday. Okay. I don't I don't yeah. know.
1: Yeah. I, I, yeah. Uh, big glue. One is TV. Yeah.
0: One's Tuesday. One's Wednesday. I just don't know which is which right now. But yeah, it's, baseball does does one game samples better than anyone else because it's just so random as a sport. Yeah. Um, the other part I was circling back, as someone who gambles on money line parlays throughout the season, have you watched more Baltimore Orioles baseball than anyone in the MLB this year? I feel like you've watched a lot of games chasing the Orioles or chasing someone money line on the Orioles. Yeah, I
1: have. And I'll tell you, Kyle, it's it's one of those things where I've had some bad luck with Baltimore and they've actually beat me up about, I've probably won about 65%, 60% at best against Baltimore, that's not good enough. When you're laying that kind of juice uh, at minus 200 to minus 300, you have to win at an 80% clip, and you should. You just you, I'm not picking the right spots against the Orioles. So I, you know what I'm doing over the next four days? I'm not betting against the Orioles except tonight because this is a game – I'm not betting Toronto, I should say. I, I do like Boston tonight. This is, this is like the must-win. Everybody's going to come to play – type of game Toronto the same thing but I just I've just been beaten up by them but to answer your question yes I think the Orioles are actually pretty good I think they can hit I mean the the first four guys that come up they they are so solid I mean they they have a good core they just don't have pitching and the bottom of the lineup is really weak but Baltimore is an up-and-coming team I believe for next year
0: yeah, I think the the jump the Tigers made, where their division got worse, is uh, is kind of what Baltimore's like eyeing right now. Is can we make that next jump? I think their problem was just they had to play seventy games against the Yankees, Rays, Red Sox, and Blue Jays. It's tough. That was just the reason they they're going to get you know either the number one or number two pick is just because they had to play all those teams so much. Well,
1: Mullins and Mountcastle, I think I think are in the low thirties for home runs. They're they are having a great year. Mountcastle's a stud. I mean, eighty six. I think RB. Eyes, uh, Hayes is great too, Uh, you know. Mancini's tough, you just the bottom of the lineup is so weak, uh, for the AL East caliber players that they're going against. But yeah, I mean, I have watched a lot of Baltimore, I'm gonna stay away from them with Toronto, but I am gonna pair them up with the Bengals tonight, the Red Sox, I should say.
0: Yeah, that's enough Orioles baseball talk. Two minutes of (laughs) Orioles baseball talk was more than I expected to have here, but. Um, the last part I was laughing about with the Mariners is if, if you would have told me last year when the Padres traded for Austin Nola that this year the Mariners would have a better record than the Padres, I would have been, I would have been like, yeah, that's San Diego sports curse. That's, that's kind of how these things work, right? That Ty France is going to be a major part of a Mariners team that almost makes the playoffs. and I'm like, yeah, that's, that's how it works for San Diego.
1: Yeah, it's just, it's just a sad situation for the pod. So much hope. And yet just a total debacle at the all-star break. Got a good, got a good baseball team. Staff is okay. Uh, That, that probably obviously is a huge part of what's going wrong there. Uh, Musgrove is probably your ace. That's not good. Uh, Top of the order is incredible, but sometimes it's just bad team chemistry. And that's possibly what we're seeing in San Diego over the last uh, three months.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm sad about it. But you know what? It's we got one chance against the Giants to finish the season. Not that I'm gonna watch any of the games, but we got one chance to spoil it for the Giants, I guess. I hate being a spoiler. I'm tired of being a spoiler. <laughs> as a native born San Diegan, I'm tired of just being a spoiler in September. It's not as it's not that fun as it's not as fun as it seems. It's just bitter and disappointing.
1: I'm sure uh, you you and Ron Burgundy
0: would agree. Yeah, and, and Uncle Teddy. That Shout out Ted Leitner, whatever he's doing now. But, yeah. Um, well, we got Orioles talking there. Uh, let's go to college football a little bit, because there are three top 12 matchups, and the first place to start, obviously, is with the Wampin' Arkansas Raisin, Razorbacks. Do you know the last time Arkansas was ranked in the top 10 in college football? And as a hint, it does start with a two.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would think it's the uh, run DMC days uh, with Derek McFadden. I would imagine the year, I can't tell you, but maybe yeah. I'm wrong. Maybe it wasn't run DMC. That was a good Arkansas backfield that, that they had. Uh, yeah, I mean, Arkansas, I can tell you right now, if you want to go ahead, and tell me the answer, by the way, the last time they were top 10.
0: So the answer is close to that. It is the year after that when uh, Bobby Petrino showed up to the Sugar Bowl after his motorcycle crash. Ah with a uh, with a mistress on the back of his bike that he ended up lying about, uh, but wore the Sugar Bowl hat because he's like, you're Arkansas and I'm Bobby Petrino. So
1: That's
0: right. yeah. Two th- that was the last time Arkansas was in the top ten was Bobby Petrino's Sugar Bowl hat.
1: Who did they play in the Sugar Bowl? Was that Texas?
0: I have no idea. Yeah. I was too young no. for that. I just yeah. know the magical story of Bobby Petrino. Bobby Petrino.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, those were some good days for Arkansas. Run DMC and all the guys, that, they had some good weapons. Uh, Arkansas is impressive Kyle I've been wrong all along about the Razorbacks woo pig suey for our listeners down in Fayetteville I, I just they-, they are explosive which is surprising because they really haven't been explosive in a long time and their defense is actually pretty good I mean I endorsed Texas two weeks ago on your show over Arkansas Texas AM, and m Arkansas a no play but Arkansas team can they hang with Georgia maybe for two touchdowns, and that's not not a ton to ask here, but Georgia's just blowing everybody out. I mean, Georgia against the spread is undefeated, I think. Uh, They are the second-best team in the country by far. Still kind of like the Razorbacks here. Razorbacks are playing really good football. Defensively sound. They have weapons. Can they hang? Lose by 17? That's a fair ask, in my opinion. Well, this is,
0: no matter what, it's already a win for the Arkansas program. Like The fact that you're ahead of Auburn and LSU at this point, which, to be fair, they haven't played either team yet, but the fact that you're ahead of them right now and looking like you're going to finish the season in the top three in the sec West, that's a victory for the program at this point. Like if, if you can surplant that and get to, you know, the Outback bowl, that's a huge victory for Arkansas and building that program up. Cause obviously you're going to have to play in the same division as Alabama and Texas A&M for the next few years.
1: Yeah, I would agree. I would think if Arkansas signed up for the Outback bowl, six weeks ago i think they'd be excited a new year's day bowl a team that hasn't even sniffed that type of bowl in years um it's a good test this weekend and they're not going to beat georgia georgia's just too good for pretty much everybody that's on the bottom side of the sec um but they're you know i I just i I think it's a lot of points arkansas has proven me wrong every single week so this time i'm gonna go with the hogs
0: so while we're talking about georgia this is more a macro level thing more than gambling but Clemson might be set back a couple of years as a program. And this, the thing I talked about, like my take of sorts on it is like, this is like a two year type of setback where now everyone can look around the Clemson program and say, do we want to rebuild this together? Tony Elliott's returned down multiple head coaching jobs. Brent Venables has turned down multiple power five head coaching jobs to stay at Clemson. Dabo keeps getting connected to the NFL and to Alabama, and I'm sure Dabo will stay until Saban retires. But this is just where everyone within Clemson looks around and says, is this a jumping off point or do we build this thing back up? So in the absence of Clemson, do you think Georgia is going to fill that role? And also, you know, the last time we talked to you, Clemson hadn't lost to NC State, your NC State Wolfpack, of course, and almost lost to Georgia Tech the week before. So what do you see with that whole situation?
1: Yeah, I think it's cyclical. I think ten years ago, Georgia just dominates the spectrum of that type of the the type of area for recruits. You know, they're getting the best in South Carolina, Georgia, probably North Florida, North Carolina. And Clemson has probably overtaken that the last five, six years. So if we see a, a little bit of a spiral here for Clemson, it's massive for Georgia. Georgia is the premier team when it comes to, in my opinion, you know, North Florida up until you get to Virginia. You should, if you're the university of Georgia, you should get the best recruits from that area of our country. And I do think it's huge. I do think Clemson has, has overtaken that. And I think it comes to an end. I do agree that listen, winning cures everything and losing is a cancer. And I, you, I think you start seeing a lot of cooks leave the kitchen. If Clemson finishes the year with three or four losses, um, you start seeing coordinators leave. You start seeing players transfer. You haven't, he hasn't had to worry about that yet, Dabo, because he's made the playoffs for the last, what, four or five years. I think Georgia takes advantage of it, and I think Georgia just becomes, again, the powerhouse of the Carolinas, Georgia, and North Florida with ease. When Georgia's one of these teams, Clemson to a certain extent, like I,
0: I don't think DJ is from the area. I think he's from, you know, somewhere else or West Coast or something. I don't remember exactly, but – They're one of these teams that is also has a national recruiting base. Like Kirby Smart goes into Ohio, goes to the West Coast and picks out the four and five star guys like, you know, the best six or seven programs in college football do, whether it's Bama, Ohio State, um, Oklahoma, even to a certain extent, Clemson. Like he, he does build out a national recruiting base. But you're right that if it's Georgia directly competing with Alabama and Clemson, if you take out Clemson, all of a sudden it just shrinks the pool, and, and maybe that's just enough for Georgia to kind of fill that third team in the, as a powerhouse program in college football.
1: I agree. They're setting themselves up in the right position, and Clemson is right now not. I mean, we see how important a good quarterback is in any level, college or pro. They don't have a good quarterback. They don't have a good offensive in College scheme. football right now? In college football. I mean, how important Oops, it is, don't is don't to have
0: you. a – Mm -hmm. There we go. Can you hear me? I hear you. I hear you. Okay. No, perfect. Yeah. Um, Are we in a transition period in college football right now?
1: Uh, How so?
0: Um, Just in terms of like powerhouses that we've come to know as powerhouses for the past, like, I guess close to a decade, but really like post college football playoff era where, um, you know, Florida state won the national championship. And that was kind of the last of like chip Kelly running the sport and, Urban Meyer leaving Florida and USC going on sanctions. Like the teams that we've come to know dominating the sport for like seven years now, you know, Clemson, Ohio State kind of fading out and, and new blood that has kind of always been right below, whether it's Georgia or Oklahoma or even like Oregon as a West Coast regional power. I put regional power in air quotes It's like, it wasn't like Alabama feels like it's going to last forever, but it's not going to last forever. And, you know, going back to Miami and Florida State and Nebraska in the 90s and 2000s, like those runs usually last like a decade and then they do kind of fall off where at the very least they're not national powers anymore. So Are we going to see new national powers? Is it going to be Alabama versus everyone? Or is this like Clemson starts to become like the ninth best program instead of the second best program type of thing?
1: Yeah, I'm not ready to say transition until we eliminate a couple more teams from that group of the top four in the playoffs. That would be Ohio State, which is in major trouble. But if they run the table, we're going to sit here in December and talk about how Ohio State got in as a four-seed. Oklahoma, still alive. Notre Dame, still alive. These are all teams that we've been accustomed to to see in the playoffs. So transitional year, obviously, for Clemson. Um, I still think it's there's not a ton of parity. Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, Notre Dame, all in the mix still. Oklahoma as well. So we don't have a lot of NC States taking over quite yet, right? We're just, we're just not there. And, you know, Clemson was a bad team, Clemson-NC State, same kind of value over the years. And I don't think I'm ready to say, yes, that transition is happening right now. I think we're going to sit here in December and talk about the playoffs being the Oklahoma Sooners, the Georgia Bulldogs, the Alabama Crimson Tide, and maybe a little bit of a surprise with the Buckeyes or the Ducks or the Irish. But how many times have we said this? How many times has this story played out? Those teams I just mentioned.
0: I'm glad that you just immediately eliminated Iowa, that everyone's on the same page that Iowa doesn't get to be in this conversation.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think Iowa will fade once they play a, a beefy Big Ten schedule. And, of course, you know, they just they just won't beat Ohio. No, listen, Ohio State is the best team in the Big Ten. Wait, They played horrific defense against the Ducks. If they clean it up against slower teams in the conference, they shouldn't lose the rest of the way.
0: So, you mentioned Notre Dame briefly in there, and they play Cincinnati this weekend. And this is like um, where UCF was always saying, we just need a national schedule. Like, this is Cincinnati's national schedule type of moment where yep. they've kind of assumed the UCF role or the, I don't know, um, Boise State role. UCF. Yep. Yeah, Boise State. State. Yep. That's yep. a great one. Um, and and they actually get to play a top ten opponent. You know, Notre Dame. <laughs> Notre Dame's been like the least convincing undefeated team left in college football, but still they are undefeated. They play at home. I think they're favorites in the game. I don't remember the money. Very line short. Right now.
1: Very very short. Very short favorite. Um, maybe maybe by maybe by a field goal or less. Maybe two or two and a half. But uh, at the
0: very least, of the three top twelve games, this is the one that actually is like a toss up of who wins. Like with Alabama and Georgia. It's kind of like how many are they going to win by? Are we going to get something interesting? This one's like you could toss up who's going to win this one.
1: I agree. I it's a tough game to wager, but this is the playing game for both of these teams. The winner still alive, alive to get through because Notre Dame is going to win every game they play. In as far as I'm concerned, the rest of the way, I would say that's the same case for Cincinnati. So is. They're out, one of these teams wins, they have a path. So it's a huge game, the best game on the board. Is Notre Dame banged up against Wisconsin? Now, Wisconsin, they killed them. Well, they really didn't kill them. A lot of things went crazy. But But you Wisconsin team, on the road game in Chicago, defensive line for Wisconsin. They just don't have an offense, Wisconsin, Um, but the offensive line is still steady in the defensive line as well. Well,
0: so for Cincinnati, obviously the team is kind of built around that Desmond Ritter guy who, you know, people say he's really good. I don't know enough about him because I haven't, you know, as much as Cincinnati has been fun, they haven't felt the same way for me where, you know, I'm a San Diego State guy, group of five supporter. And they haven't felt as fun as UCF. Like UCF was arrogant, swaggering. Cincinnati just kind of feels like a take care of business type of team. And so I've kind of adopted the, uh, the Chanticleers of coastal Carolina more than Cincinnati, but Cincinnati like has legitimate NFL players. I don't know how they recruited all those people in that market with, you know, going for the same regional players as Ohio state, Penn state, Michigan, but they, they've got like a legitimate NFL roster built out on that team.
1: I agree. I, I think they're the more talented team than Notre Dame, as crazy as that sounds. I, I just think Cincinnati coming off a bye, a little more fresh. Bearcat small, Kyle. Bear small.
0: Well, The last game that's uh, at the top is Alabama versus apparently the second best team in the SEC West, which is – uh, Lane Kiffin's Ole Miss running Rebels which is uh, just a fun phrase to say at this point because if you would have asked me who was going to succeed between Lane and Mike Leach in that conference I would have guessed it would have been Mike Leach but here we are Lane Kiffin has recruited nationally Ole Miss has a apparently a Heisman quarterback I find it weird that you know someone from Ole Miss is in competition for the Heisman right now this might just be like a win september type of thing like that one time khalil tate was gonna win the heisman for like a four and five arizona team but still i'm I'm surprised that Ole miss is as good as they are i think they're also like 17 point dogs against bama but again it's a measuring stick game similarly to arkansas this is like where do we stand right now up against alabama
1: I think they stand up pretty good. I think I think that Ole Miss is going to keep this game closer than the experts think. I think they have a really good quarterback. I think their quarterback is now just about plus 400 or 500 to win the Heisman Trophy, Matt Corral. Uh, this is a team that is capable of matching points, not for four quarters, but maybe for a half. And that's enough. To get you to a situation where you're covering the number at 15, 16, depending on where you shop, you have to keep this number over 15 if you're an Ole Miss better. And I think they're very capable of doing it. So I like Ole Miss with the points, kind of like I like Arkansas in, the, in these two SEC battles. I, I really think they're going to be closer than the experts think. Alabama is still incredible on defense, but I think come close to seeing a fast, explosive offense. Like Ole Miss.
0: So in the case of Alabama, like Florida outscored them. I think it was like 27 to 17 to end that game. And it was kind of, you know, like if you look at it, it's like, oh, Florida was like right there ready to snap on them. And if they'd gotten like an extra quarter, it probably would have been fine. But this time around, I like look at Bama. I'm like, they looked vulnerable before, but also everything I've heard about Alabama for a decade is like, it's going to happen eventually. But when it happens, it's going to be the one you least expect. And this one feels like it's too obvious to be like, well, Alabama's under some duress this weekend. It feels like they're going to come out like pummel Ole Miss and be like, nope, we're still Bama. This is the one you were thinking we might slip up, but we're, we're still dominating right now.
1: Yeah, it's definitely a fair argument to, to think that Alabama would come in and hear all of these rumbles and just absolutely take care of business against Ole Miss. It's very possible. Again, this is this is why I don't bet against the spread. I, I think that Alabama could absolutely come in, destroy Ole Miss, and everyone just has their mouth down on the ground saying, wow, why did I not bet Alabama minus 15.5? Well, because it could happen. But I also feel comfortable with Ole Miss matching points for half of the battle. And then when we get to the third, fourth quarter, and you're down by 14, just say a prayer and say, okay, let's just lose by this number which I think is very possible.
0: All right, look, finally here, is there anything else you find interesting in college football or you just want to bask in the glory of NC State, anything like that?
1: <laughs> I like Louisiana Tech against NC State. I mean, I just think NC State's a team that's probably going to still be celebrating the win on Hillsborough Street against Clemson. The celebration lasted very long in Raleigh, North Carolina, with their win over the Clemson Tigers. And And I'll tell you what, Kyle, Uh, This Clemson team is not very good. It's not a great, huge win. It's a great win for optics. Louisiana Tech should have beat SMU. SMU beat up on TCU. Louisiana Tech's a good football team. 20 points is too much. That's my best ATS play is probably Louisiana Tech this Saturday.
0: Not even straight up. Just you know, they'll they'll cover. They'll keep it close yeah. for a letdown game.
1: Well, there's no money line. No money line available. Uh, it's it, the the Wolfpack are favored by 19 and a half. It's a lot of points. I just I don't I don't think that the Wolfpack can outscore many teams, not just La Tech, but many teams by 21. I could be wrong, but pretty good letdown spot for the Wolfpack. And then I I actually will go the opposite way and, and I say Clemson covers against boston college because i believe boston college lost may have lost their qb1 for this game clemson's favored by 18 listen clemson's defense is still elite they have no offense but do you really need a huge offensive performance if your defense is is really good against a qb2 from boston college i say no i say clemson covers 18 wins by about 24 to 27 against boston college Razor, please.
0: This is my last chance this weekend. There's only about 48 hours left, but can you convince me that Thanksgiving weekend, Black Friday, we're going to watch 11-0 and Boston College versus 11-0 and Wake Forest as a play-in game for the college football playoff? <laughs>
1: Uh, Wake Forest is a very good football team. As crazy a, as it is, the leading candidate, in my opinion, to win the Atlantic. Ah, you could even make the, the argument NC State is now that they, they have that Clemson win. Uh, Boston College loses this weekend. Unfortunately, Kyle, your, your dream is not going to come true on Black Friday. BC and Wake Forest, no chance of being undefeated
0: but they'll both end up 7 and 5 somehow, right? Cuz that's how Boston College and Wake Forest do it. They're both always 7 and 5, always middle of the ACC Atlantic.
1: I got confidence in the Demon Deacons. I, I think they're going to beat up on bad teams this this week. Uh, excuse me. Not this week. Louisville's actually playing okay, but down the line here in the next few weeks when Wake Forest gets a bad ACC team, I think they're winning, and I think you're going to see probably eight or nine wins from the Demon Deacons this year. I I feel good about them. Their offense is great, but their defense has improved for the first time ever. Uh, Virginia really struggled to move the ball against them uh, last Friday night. So uh, Boston College, they're done. They've had a good little run here with a great win against Missouri. It ends in Clemson, and it probably will end down the road if they don't get their quarterback healthy.
0: Yeah, but at least they have the uh, the the cakewalk win against Florida State coming up at some point, which is unbelievable to say. But they do have the Boston College has the cakewalk victory against Florida State in their near future.
1: Well, real quick before we end this podcast, there's a really dirty, sneaky, ugly point spread that involves FSU this Saturday. They are favored by four and a half against the Cuse. Who somehow beat Liberty last Friday night. Um, you would think Syracuse at plus four and a half is just giving away free money, but I don't think it is. I, for some reason, the, the books know that Florida state possibly just too much speed for Syracuse. And I think the betting public will be all over the cues plus the points I recommend taking the Knolls or stay away. I just think Cuse looks too easy here, Kyle. When it looks too easy, sometimes it is easy, but in this case, you're just—it looks like they're giving away money, and I got news for you—they just don't give away money. So it's so weird. Syracuse has been so bad this year, so the
0: fact that they would be favored again—or not favored—the fact that they would be like shoe-ins to beat Florida State, who has, you know, Florida State. They made 36 straight bowl games, largest athletic budget in the ACC, theoretically. And the fact that Syracuse, who is just 7 out of 7 in the ACC Atlantic coming into the season, could beat them is just unbelievable. I I don't understand how Florida State has fallen this hard. It's unbelievable at this point.
1: I I think they have athletes. I just don't know if they know – how to scheme out there. I I don't think they've, I don't get it. I really don't understand why it's this bad in Tallahassee. It's a no play or say a prayer and bet the knolls as crazy as it sounds and probably terrible advice, but my better advice is stay away from the Syracuse FSU game. There's just too many good, good plays outside of that game.
0: Razor, this is going to be a great week by the time that uh, we talk to you again, because there is a lot of good stuff going on right now. So There is.
1: Baseball playoffs the next time I talk to you. We'll be in the heart of it, and hopefully we won't have as much editing for you to do as we uh, move on to the next show.
0: People don't know about that. <laughs> people people don't know about our technical difficulties. But that's been it's been a theme for me. My power has been out or my internet's been out like two days for the last four days. So it's it's been a long couple days getting these podcasts together. So even though I do, I can always just move to campus and use their Wi Fi, it's still a pain. But People don't know that until just now, unless I edit this out also. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, do your thing. Keep working hard, doing a great job, and uh, always a pleasure to uh, to join you as someone who represents Beer Life Sports. Uh, BeerLife.com, Beer Life Sports on Instagram and Twitter. Follow us there.
0: Thank you. I forgot to give the plug at the very beginning. So before, I'll edit in the plug at the, at the start because I forgot to mention all the cool stuff that you're doing at the beginning. So No,
1: it's no problem. Yes,
0: check it out. Thank you.
1: All right, Kyle, have a great day. Have a great day. Looks like
0: we kind of double-jinxed ourselves on that one. This is part of, you know, recording podcasts all throughout the day. Is uh, You might double-jinx yourself and not want to go back and edit it later, which is why we have this lovely sound effect and the podcast from the future, because the Bengals did come back and win, courtesy of a last-second game-winning game winning Field goal by none other than Mick Swagger, Evan McPherson, drilling home the kick for the Cincinnati Bengals for the second time in four weeks. The Bengals are indeed three and one, like we said, Stripe Wood. I was texting with him and boy, that man was having a heart attack. During that football game, but his Bengals got the win at like the fourth or fifth game that he's ever been to. So, shout out to our boy Stripe Hype and shout out to uh, Cincinnati Bengals kicker Mick Swagger, Evan McPherson. I don't think that nickname is ever going to catch on, but give him 10 years in the NFL and I will be calling him Mick Swagger. So, shout out to him and shout out to the Bengals and well, I guess uh, me and me and Blake lost our pick cuz they didn't cover the spread, but still hell of a victory for them Cincinnati Bengals. Who date?